You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analyst. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos Country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always is my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty well. I'm getting a dog that is starting to really ask for attention. He is in my face right now, so if you hear panting or any jiggling in the background, it's probably his his collar. But uh, <laughs> he's a good golden retriever boy. However, he he's a high social anxiety, separation anxiety dog. So uh, he has to be touching you at all times. And if you go in the bathroom, he's crying and whining and has to have a paw on you. So uh, he's he, thank God he's cute. Because otherwise, he's a real annoyance. I, I like cats and dogs equally, but, man, I don't know if I have the emotional stamina to put up with a dog that is as constantly needing your attention and affection. You know, it's just like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom now. Nope, I need to be in there so I can look at you. Like, I, please leave me alone. <laughs> so I didn't used to be that way. I feel like I used to be way more outgoing. And with my with my old age, of ripe age of 27, and just being exposed to the general public, <laughs> I've become a little bit more of an introvert. So he's, I mean, I love the dog. He's good. He's really just a sweet boy. But, man, he is, uh, he's actually covering my nose right now. So I, this is uh, this is on you, Carl. I have no idea what's going to happen. Okay. We'll, we'll find out. But, <laughs> tell, me uh, more no, about, I, tell me more about your Colorado time. We talked a little bit last time, but yeah, I want to hear so more. It was really cool, one, getting to drive up really far into the mountains because Aspen's actually pretty far into the state. Did you go to the I mean, Maroon Bells? No, we didn't. Okay, that's right there. That's why I asked. So, I mean, we the, the drive took us a lot longer because we stopped in Denver and saw some of my friends. They're, they're long-time family friends, been there forever. Really cool family. They <laughs> the, the wife is known as the, the wolf lady because she always adopts people who abandon wolves. They, they get them as those wolf dog hybrid pets. And then they get really big, and they're like, oh, no, this is too big for our family. And so she takes them on. And, I mean, so it's always kind of cool to see which wolf hybrid she has there at her house. But anyway, stayed there, talked too long, didn't get in until really late. And, of course, then I had to get ready for the race the next morning. And then we showed up and ended up showing up two hours too early. The, the website told me the wrong time of our starting time, so we just kind of had to hang out and twiddle our thumbs for a while. Okay. And so it, it wasn't too bad. But then the race, oh, my goodness, man. Like, I, I did a Warrior Dash last year. And we decided, hey, we're going to do a Spartan run because we hear it's a little bit tougher than, than a Warrior Dash. Well, if anybody's done both of them, it is night and day the difference. Like, Warrior Dash, it was like my wife and I were joking. It was truly a party. Like, people were drinking before they went on the race. Mm. And then they had a DJ there, and everybody's just dancing and just moving around. And then, like, Spartan Run, they had a DJ, but nobody's dancing. Like, everybody is focused in, getting ready for the race, doing everything right, getting their bodies right, hydrating. There there was a beer group that was there. Nobody would go drink the beer. And, and even after the race, hardly anybody wanted to touch the beer, which was it was just kind of crazy to see the difference between the two of you got your really serious people with Spartan runs. And then 
us being here in the, the Midwest and not up in the mountains. Oh, yeah. That's the big thing for me. <laughs> it would be. So, yes. Yeah, so Aspen, what I think it's already at like, what, 7,000 feet? Oh, it's yeah, – let's say it's higher than that. Is it? Okay. I'll look it up. You keep talking. I'll check okay. with my producer, which is my iPhone. There you go. And and then we have this huge – the first mile is just straight uphill. I texted somebody and said it felt like I was mountain climbing to get to the top of that. And and my wife kept saying, there's a part that becomes downhill. Well, the first three miles were all uphill. Then the last mile is straight downhill. So then you're, like, jamming your feet into the ground trying not to fall over. And uh, But I loved it. I loved getting to finish it. I loved the, the different obstacles that I had to do. Uh, uh, my wife and I, I will say this, we got – we got a, actually people clapping for us at one point because the the spear throw, we were the only two for a while that actually had the spear go in. And they, they called us a power couple because we both got it. Mm. So I will say that. And, and I, I credit that to – I went to my grandpa's farm every weekend, and I always loved having the, the pitchfork. I would take it and throw it at the hay bales. Mm. And I'd always pretend that I was a Spartan throwing it at the hay bales killing the enemy, and and so, man, it paid off big time because mine was right middle of the target, right where the head was, just, oh, man, it was sweet. The rest of it, I, I can't say that it was that sweet. <laughs> the views, I'm sure, were great. Right. Oh, yeah, that was kind of, I mean, my wife said that she appreciated that I had to stop so many times because she's like, at least i got to look around and see everything. Yeah. So she, she's in much better shape than I am. I, I realize I've got a long ways to go to be fully ready for conquering something like that. I don't know how people sprint through that. Like, there's people that did all three races. There's an Ultra Beast, which is 40 miles. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> there's a, a Beast, which is, I think, 16 miles. And then mine was called a Sprint, which was just four miles. And people did all three in a weekend. Nope. Psychopaths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Where is the nearest brewery? Right. Yes. Guess. <laughs> yes. I, I texted a friend that I finished my my race, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, I forgot you were doing that today. I just slept for the last two hours. Took a nice nap." God, what a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was a good time. Then of course I'm going to talk about it here a little bit later. I didn't want to talk about it too much here, but going to camp, man, it is just it's a whole different experience going to camp compared to a game. Yeah. And and especially like how the fields are set up. It is like the all twenty-two setup for the fans. Hmm. Like if the media tell you that something happened out there, all they're seeing is the big plays because they can't hardly see anything. You, you see where the media tents are, and you're just going, "Oh my gosh, that is so terrible." And but where the fans are, man, it is perfect to see everything. So if, if the fans say something happens, I would trust them over what the media see. Yeah, that. Then it comes down to, does a fan know what they're watching? <laughs> that's true. That is a good point. But sometimes I question if some of the media people know what they're watching, oh, too. That's that's even a more <laughs> valid question. That is. So. That is very sure. But, uh, no, it, it was a great experience, and I'm excited to, to talk about it. I'm going to write an article here this evening, just kind of my observations from two days of being there. And so make sure you can find me on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler, MHH, and, of course, Nick, at Nick Kindle, MHH. And you can follow the podcast Twitter account at BTV Football Pod, and make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input. 
You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. And also make sure you head on over to MileHighHuddle.com, a new affiliate of Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. If you enjoy our show, make sure you head on over and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, where Building the Broncos along with Huddle Up are found under the Huddle Up podcast. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It's freaking huge. Now, it's season long. Here's how draft works. It's season long, but with no micromanagement. You just set it and forget it. So what does that mean? No longer are you having to agonize over the matchups and who to start and all that, they take care of that for you. They're automatically going to start your most efficient lineup based on all the projections, based on all the momentum, so you don't have to worry about it. You set it, you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup, as mentioned. Your best players automatically get started, and you'll get the best score each and every week, guaranteed. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. So now there is a a media guy that that went out to, to Broncos camp recently that for the most part I do actually trust his his thoughts on what he's seeing and who he's talking to. And, and and so he wrote a, what was it, 10 takeaways from being at Broncos camp? Yes. And, and so we thought we'd kind of break down some of those, and then I'd talk a little bit at the end just about my, my training camp experience. But, but some of these observations, they were they were very... Poignant. Yeah. And, and so it's kind of something that, that I think is worth talking about for sure. And so his very first one, let's just start here, because most important player on the Broncos, it's really cool watching how much Vaughn Miller interacts with the fans at, at training camp. I'll just start with that. Like every time he comes out, crowd goes crazy. He goes down the line, clapping hands with fans. At one point he did the slow clap with the fans, and it was just crazy watching like all these people like really responding to everything he's doing. And, I mean, it, it just he is the man of the people. And and so, I mean, and it's great that he is such a great player. But his first observation, Charles Robinson's first ab- observation, and this doesn't actually have to do – the first part doesn't have to do with what's on what he's seeing on the field. But he said last year when Von Miller arrived at camp, he weighed 200 – he was in the low 230s when we're talking about weight. And you think about a guy that's going against guys that are at least 300 pounds, sometimes up to 330 pounds – and he's here possibly giving up 100 pounds of weight. Well, this year he showed up at camp rocking about 250 pounds, and and it, it shows. I mean, the guy just is so built. You, you look at him, and it's just crazy. Now, I will say, Bradley Chubb standing next to him makes Vaughn Miller look like a shrimp. Bradley Chubb is just a tank. <laughs> he is. I, I can't believe how big he looks. And so Vaughn Miller really wanted to add a little bit more to his – more power to his repertoire. Now, I, I I will say this. Do you remember back in 2013, this was the suspension year, 
and then the injury year, Von Miller really amped up his weight. Yes. And while he, he still looked good, he didn't look like the elite player from the year before. Yep. Does that give you any pause here when he's putting on about 20 pounds? Absolutely. From I mean, I'm not a physical therapist or a kinesiologist or anything, but more weight on those joints with how much he puts his body like at an angle and the, the pressure on those joints, it does, from a health perspective, concern me, you know, but also from a, a stamina perspective, you know, is it going to be as effective rep to rep? So we'll, we will see. You know, I'm, I'm definitely wait and see, but that's something that we're going to need to... Right now, it's just projection, you know, good or bad, we don't know yet. So that's something we're going to need to revisit after the season's over just to see where it really where it really fell on if it was an effective strategy for him. Now, Charles Robinson did say that Miller was pretty much unusable as a teaching tool in one-on-one drills because he was destroying his opponent or his opposing lineman every single rep. And I, I will second that Miller is Miller. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the extra weight, like you said, it's not so much maybe that it's right off at the beginning of the season it's going to be an issue, but week 10 is that extra weight and that extra pounding really going to, to show up. Yep. I just hope he can stay healthy, obviously. I mean, we won't know until we know, right? Right. <laughs> so hopefully he can stay healthy, but, man, you just you just don't know. So, all right, well, the second one here is I'll just read it. You know, Charles Robinson goes around the camps in the NFL game for a while, writes for Yahoo, and he says he'll have a story down the line, which is already out there. You should check it out from him. Again, it's on Yahoo. But some Broncos personnel guys are amped to see the way players respond to Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak. So you guys were quietly seething over the nonchalance of some players in 2018 practices. They've been happy with the renewed focus. So, yeah, a lot of players. Some One of the, the sources for Charles Robinson wasn't super sold on Vic Fangio coming in, but to have when that was when he was first announced as a hire, and this person he's reached out to again and said, "Man, completely changed my tune. All about it now. Super excited to see Vic Fangio and what he does this season. You know, bought in. So that's really exciting to see. And I am really hoping that the none of the shine wears off. You know, again, honeymoon phase. It could end up." poor down the line, you know, the adversity hits. We don't know how it's going to be, but right now it sounds like things are going the right way, and Vic would be upset about it, but it does sound that, you know, he is building that culture that you need, so excited about that. I mean, uh, I'll say Mike Munchak. I I didn't get to see as much about Fangio just because he's kind of all over the place, but they were doing a lot of offensive line drills pretty close to where all the fans were, And, and watching him work was magical. Everything he did is things that you would see an offensive lineman have to do in a game. So, like, they did a bunch of punch drills where they were really working on their timing of their punch. He did a lot of drills where, like, one of my favorites was, let's say the defensive lineman gets better leverage on the offensive lineman. Well, what do they do with their hands to try to readjust to get back into position? And so working on, okay, you're in a position of failure. How do we get back to, to success? I just loved it, and the players really responded. I mean, just everybody, every rep was just full go for the offensive lineman. And, I mean, he's right there just coaching every every snap, every rep. And so I, I loved watching that. I I was enamored by that. I know a lot of people want to watch the quarterbacks and, and how they're throwing and things like that, but to me the offensive line was where the, the true brilliance was happening on the field. 
Yeah. I'm with you there. And, no, moving on. Now we don't want to be too long. Carl, we won't wait too long on the last episode. So <laughs> this is probably, this will probably be a Sunday one. So we don't want to keep everybody away from church or, you know, whatever you do on a Sunday, sleeping in, reviewing the Broncos games. So reading up the content after the Thursday game, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, number point number three I had is FWIW. You know what that stands for, Carl? For what it's worth? Good job. I think I threw one at you the other day and you didn't know what it was. I know. I'm not usually too hip with the the, the kids' lingo these days, but I do know that one. Yeet. No, I'm just kidding. I, don't, I have no idea. But, yeah, no, for what it's worth, no Broncos players has managed to get to the facility before Flacco. It's gotten to the point that some defensive guys have started a challenge to see if someone can beat Flacco into the building. Early attempts have been before 6 a.m., but Flacco was already in. So while a guy like Locke is getting the praise for being the first on the field, it sounds like the first in the facility, which is is actually the more important thing, it has been Flacco. So that is a good sign. You know, he's he's not only playing for the Broncos, but he's playing for a future contract. You know, this might be his one in, one chance in Denver, and he wants to show that he can still be that guy. And I don't know, it just does it does feel like there is a different presence and accountability and everything with Flacco than we've had for years in Denver. So, you know, how much does it matter that he is the the first one in the facility? I mean, we'll see if it makes a difference in the season win loss total, but damn it's good to hear that he's the guy doing that and setting that precedence. The other story that I've heard about Joe Flacco compared to the other quarterbacks is that he is actually very very engaged with other teammates. There were a lot of stories where Paxton Lynch and and Trevor Simeon, like players would walk by him and they would just like almost like try to get to the other side of the hallway so they didn't have to interact with him. And so when I'm hearing Joe Flacco, like these guys are like, oh, this quarterback actually talks to us. Like we didn't know quarterbacks talked to other players because they hadn't had their quarterback talk to him for two years. And and so when I'm hearing things like that, hearing this of him getting there to the facility, he's doing the right things to really make himself that that true quarterback leader for this for this offense. Now, like you said, whether that translates to on the field, that's still a wait and see kind of thing. But I'm just excited that at least he's doing the, the little things right when it comes to being the quarterback here in Denver. Yep. No, you are correct. I mean. You don't want to hear he's the last one in, so those things can add up, and at worst, he's showing that he is the guy, right? Like, that's that's the big thing, so no right. questions there. Number four, Broncos are feeling really good about running back Royce Freeman right now to the point that they are hoping to finally establish a true split-touch situation that they envisioned between Freeman and Lindsey last season. They feel like that plan is fully on track for 2019. So that's great to hear. I'm excited to see Freeman in this system. He was a zone runner at Oregon. I didn't love the pick in the third round because I didn't think he had a dynamic ability at running back, but I think he can be a guy who can carry loads. And the good thing with having two guys like that, you know, obviously Lindsey is the more explosive guy and the guy that the fans are in love with because he is the hometown dude and, you know, got to love that undrafted hometown story. But having a guy like Lindsey and Freeman, both those guys out there, Worst case, you're making both of them, you know, have a, a better, longer, healthier season. But if one does get dinged up, you have the other one that you can go to. So I'm excited to see Freeman, and I'm excited to hear some of your running back comments when we get to that section later. Yeah, it, it's hard not to talk about him right now. 
But I will say that Royce Freeman, I was very impressed with what I saw from him. And I, I think I think Bronco fans are going to be a little bit surprised at how much the Broncos use Freeman and how much they're actually surprised by how good he looks. I'll just I'll say that for now, and then I'll, I'll talk about more later on. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm excited to hear that too, Broncos country. I don't I don't even know everything. <laughs> so, Carl, oh, sorry if you hear a dog in the background. He's a uh, like I said, social anxiety dog. He is literally up on me. Um, so, number five here, the Broncos offense could still use some more vocal leadership. Flacco isn't quite that guy. Philip Lindsay brings juice, but there have been a lot of drop passes in camp, and the staff would like to see some vet players rip ass occasionally over mistakes, a work in progress, which this was written before Emmanuel Sanders rips some ass. Or, well, I guess that, that's more like a farting kind of thing. Well, we'll go either way. He, he ripped Sutton's ass, it sounded like, earlier. So that's that might be happening, but it'd be nice if a guy like James or Leary could step up in that role. Maybe even Hireman. But it, it is a young offense, so that is something that is worth noting. And the thing that worries me here, honestly, the thing that worries me the most here is uh, they said a lot of drop passes in camp, right after Philip Lindsay. Right? Is he saying Philip Lindsay drop passes, or is he saying a lot of drop passes in general? I think he's meaning it in general. Okay, I read that at first. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it is a lot more just in general right now. I mean, there was the, the tweets after some bad plays yesterday at, at training camp Monday that Philip Lindsay started getting after players, yelling at him on, on a couple things. Of course, then you got Amanda Sanders with all of his craziness that kind of happened there with, with Sutton. And so you're starting to see a little bit more, uh, I think, of that lo- that vocal leadership of guys getting more comfortable because it is a lot of young guys, like you said. And just you, you got to learn when can you talk like that to the young guys, when can you not. We, we talked about it with the, with the preview episode with Vic Fangio. Well, wh- wh- what players can be called out, which players can't? Which ones need to be encouraged? Which ones need to have a fire lit under them to get going? Uh, it, it just it, It's such a, a, a case-by-case space when it comes to NFL when you're dealing with people. And so I, it is interesting to see who's going to step up into some of this. It does sound like Lindsey's trying to step up a little bit, being a little, a little more vocal. He's finally kind of reached that point that he can be that kind of guy after being a Pro Bowl guy last year. But I, I don't know. There's... There's just some interesting dynamics of Sanders can be a really vocal guy, but is he really the guy you want to be? Lindsey's young. Can he really be that? I don't know. It just, it'll be interesting to see how they figure this all out. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. All right, well, Charles has some more comments that he learned from Broncos camp, but we got to take a break. We will be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alrighty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. Carl is back from Colorado, and we are recording today. It is Tuesday evening. You guys should be listening to this on Sunday after the Broncos game, but, you know, camp is still going on, and these are some really interesting tidbits from Charles, so want to get to these. He has five more left. We went through five already, so number six, six point. For all our talk about pass rush guys and Fanzio's scheme, Broncos staff likes potential players like cornerback Chris Harris Jr. and free safety Justin Simmons being playmaking machines in the secondary. Some zone looks will provide those guys a litany of aggressive turnover opportunities. So good use of the word litany. And, man, I'm excited about this. If there's one thing that I really want the the Broncos to, to turn over this season and improve upon, it's getting those turnovers, right? That's they got to get those so that way they can better, you know, give the ball to the offense and just create more splash plays. Well, and, and the NFL is going this way. Yeah. Teams are going to be able to pick up chunk yards. The the best things or the best teams out there, the ones that can force those turnovers, that can make the splash plays, that can really turn a game on just one play. And, I mean, the, the Bears did it last year. They didn't have a great offense last year, but they had a dynamic defense that forced turnovers like crazy. And and so then to have guys that fit really well in Fangio's scheme, like Chris Harris, I, I've always thought he would do really well in his own scheme because he's so smart. His ability to, to break on the ball, uh, just understand what, what an offense is trying to do, all those kind of things. And then Justin Simmons with his athleticism, I mean, pretty much every single day of camp we're hearing that this guy goes and makes an interception, right? Yeah. It's, and and it's I really... I really do think that's going to translate to the season. I, it would not shock me if he goes out there has like a 7-8 interception kind of season. I mean, it's just he, he's set up so well to have a great year. And and I just really, I mean, I, I'm cheering on the guy. I, I really hope that he can go out there and show that it, he is one of those guys that just really has been on the verge of breaking out, and this is the year that he finally does. Because I really do think this scheme just fits him probably – Perfect, more perfect than any other players on the team. I, man, I wish they had some money so they could pay Simmons now, right? Like I think he's gonna. Though 
little apprehensive because I thought he was going to bust out last year, and that turned out not to be the case. So we'll see. But it just feels like he is about to explode, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm with you. And then I bet you Chris Harris does well, goes and gets paid by somebody else. So <laughs> Third round little, top pick. Maybe. You know, the Broncos might have some money to spend, too, so we'll see. Uh, but they should hopefully figure out a way to do that. And number seven, the young Broncos of note, wide receiver Corlin Sutton, parentheses, big up arrow. Uh, rookie guard Dalton Reisner, already helping left tackle Garrett Bowles. Demarcus Walker, the most pleasant surprise this spring and summer. And edge rusher Bradley Chubb, big leadership step, is also playing that Cleo Mack role in Fangio's scheme. So a lot of little points here. Any of these stand out to you? I guess the big one for me is Bradley Chubb playing that Cleo Mack role. That doesn't mean he's going to be Khalil Mack. He's more of that power rusher, where Floyd was more of the, the speed rusher opposite him. But, man, there's a chance Bradley Chubb could emerge into a monster this season. Right? Like, that That would probably be the best thing for the Broncos, besides Drew Locke taking that step. Like, if Chubb turns into, like, a god, this team is going to be – the defense is going to be set for the next decade. He's well, not set, but they have a guy in there. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, at camp, I mean, they, they did full pads yesterday. Today they just did – shorts but yesterday I mean he looked really really good (laughs) it was impressive he has a lot more bend than I thought he would just seeing him live seeing him up close very very impressed with that and then you add into that the power that he can drive around the corner like that love it and then if he's stepping up into a leadership role and it was kind of crazy like there's one point where they all went off every position group went off and did drills, except for Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. Those two just went off into a corner and were playing catch. <laughs> Take it, it easy, folks. It, it was just kind of weird to see. I mean, I, I guess it's not weird, but it's just like they've already said, okay, these are our two superstars. They've already decided that Bradley Chubb fits into that that echelon on this Broncos squad. So, yeah, I do think he's going to have a big breakout year. The the one that sticks out to me, I guess, is the Court and Sutton one. It, it just seems like it's he's the one guy that keeps getting varied reports on what he's doing out there. Yeah. You hear some people say, oh, my gosh, this guy's making catch after catch, doing some big things. You hear others say, oh, he's dropping balls left and right. He's not running the right routes. He's slacking off on some things. I, I, I don't know. I mean – I'll talk a little bit more about him when I actually talk about what I saw at training camp, what what my opinion is of what I've seen of him. But uh, I really hope – I mean, the Broncos need him to be a big up arrow. They need yeah. him to emerge. He, he doesn't have to be a true number one, but they need him to be a true number two and, and probably upper echelon number two if this offense is going to be anything in the top 15, top 16 in the NFL. He needs to turn into Allen Robinson and Alshon Jeffrey type. Big body X that can go up and get it when need be. Right. And be a, be a better red zone guy, to be completely honest. Granted, Broncos are the worst red zone quarterback in football last year, so kind of hard to show up to be that guy. But, yeah, and also DeMarcus Walker trending up, and he, good to hear Dalton Reisner helping Garrett Bowles. So big up there. I mean, if those guys, if all those guys step up, that'd be great. I'm still skeptical on DeMarcus Walker, and I'm glad Draymond Jones showed up just because I want that fire on him. And Fangio gave him a hard time. You know, maybe they can pull out even more from him, so we'll see. Number eight, rookie Drew Locke's preseason games will be huge if he intends to ascend to backup. Biggest struggle the Broncos staff can see is his processing of info and just moving things quickly. Tools are parents, but fans shouldn't be alarmed if he's number three to start the season. And Charles did say later on in a response that the Broncos, and this is from him, you know, this is definitely hearsay, but he said the Broncos would love nothing more 
then it's Drew Locke to be the second-string quarterback this season, but they won't push it. So that means that going into the season. So they're going to give him a chance to take it. And, you know, the processing stuff, that's not a not surprising. You know, first time under center, first time running this kind of offense, your first time having to identify the mic, et cetera, et cetera. So these are all things that are going to take time. But he's got four more games. And Kevin Hogan played better than I thought he would. But granted, he had the first team offensive line in front of him, or three-fifths of it. So that helps. But, yeah, it's uh, Drew Locke's the biggest, probably the most interesting thing with camp, and he's the, the reason that all the next four of these games are still going to be must-watch TV because the young quarterback with the big tools is one that you just can't turn away from. I'm shocked at how many people at camp kept asking, who's that number three? Oh, really? What? <laughs> I was just a little shocked at how few people knew of our new toy at, at quarterback. But, uh, no, I mean, it's he's right. Yeah. There's nothing there that, that – I, I disagreed with him when I first read it. Just I'm like, there's no way he's going to be the number three quarterback. Come on. And then – but at the same time, you're kind of going, okay, it's understandable. Like, they really do view this year as a growing year for him. A redshirt season. Right. They, they want him to sit on the bench. They're hoping Flacco can stay healthy, that they don't have to go to that number two quarterback, whoever that may be. But for the most part, it is. He needs some time to grow. He's got a lot to learn. I mean, Fangio's talked about it left and right of him pretty much being a, a pitcher who needs to learn how to pitch. He's got the fastball down, but even there he needs to learn how to control it sometimes. And, and so Drew Locke's just a, a wait-and-see kind of thing, and, and he's got a lot of potential. Oh, my goodness, so much potential. But we'll, we'll just kind of see if that can actually develop into something like the Broncos are hoping. Absolutely. Number nine, undrafted rookie tight end Austin Fort from Wyoming, Wyoming could end up taking someone's job in the Broncos' final roster. Fast, agile, making plays, and has some development potential. Unless he tanks in the exhibition opportunities, which he was not he was not great in that first game against the Falcons, it's unlikely he could be put on the practice squad. He's one to watch. So, obviously, once the game was going, he did not look... I thought he just looked okay. You know, he's a guy that I would love to see his frame filled out more. He, you can see the athleticism there, but he's going to have to become a, a thicker and better blocker to function. And I don't know. I just, that first time really seeing him, and I was left ho-hum. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he went undrafted. Yeah. People viewed him as a project, kind of like Drew Locke, just a, a, at a lesser position and lesser-known guy. But th- there's potential. But he's got a lot in front of him, and it makes sense that right now, if the Broncos can – I mean, he's going to ride the bench for the most part. I mean, unless injuries really start stacking up. They they got a lot of guys in front of him that they really like at that tight end position. I mean, Noah Fant, really, he's getting a lot of run with the ones. Jeff Hireman, you've already talked about it, of of him showing so well in the run blocking area. Troy Fumagalli, I mean, there's been talk of, of some good things there. And it will be interesting to see a little bit of, of the debate of Jake Butt and Austin Ford. And even if they keep four tight ends, do they keep four? Do they decide just to go with the three? I mean, there's there's a lot of conversation that has to happen. And so Austin Ford still has a long ways to go, in my opinion, to really cement himself on this roster. Yeah. I mean, maybe they will be able to keep him 
on the practice squad. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Long way to go. That's the biggest thing. All right, and number 10 here, everyone is talking about Vikangio and Mike Munchak, but an underrated addition on this coaching staff appears to be outside linebacker assistant Brandon Staley, who came over from the Bears with Fangio. Von Miller said Staley is a pretty hands-on teacher who's adding a lot to the outside linebackers. And, you know, it's too early to say for guys like Chubb and Vaughn, but you love to hear that. And, you know, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller can get better, but I'm curious to see what he can do with the, the young depth behind those guys if he is as good as being advertised here. Yeah, it's – I remember with coaching golf, our, our top three golfers were very, very good on our team. And so there were some little things that I worked with, but for the most part – it was those next three guys that I spent the most time with because those were the guys that really rounded out the team and you knew you needed one of them to to really do well. And for the Broncos, they need those backups to do well. For teams to not sit there and say, oh, Von Miller's off the field, oh, yeah, we can go crazy now. And, I mean, teams are still going to try to do that, but if you have a guy that can actually step in and still be a playmaker, it makes all the difference of, of what you can do with that defense. Yeah, nope, you're... 100% correct. All right, well, Carl, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about your time at camp, but first, we got to take a quick break. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before, and I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week, with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, and we are back on the Billion the Broncos podcast. Carl just pulled into Kansas about two hours ago. We were busy doing, or you were busy coming in from Broncos camp, and you were there today, man. You were there today, so I'm curious your takeaways, what you saw in the Broncos training camp. You know, you said the first camp, the first day you saw a little bit more indicative than what you saw today. Oh, they were in shorts, but overall your impressions. Right, yeah. Yeah, today was mostly just a lot of half speed, three-four speed on some things. I mean, they did a lot of seven-on-seven drills which were the ones that I thought they actually kind of picked some things up and and really started going. But, uh, no, yesterday especially, uh, I'll start big, and then I'll come back smaller. So big, I I will say I was impressed with where the offense is at. They were, I mean, the defense still made lots of plays. I'm not going to try to take away from the defense, but the offense actually looked competent. And considering where they were, First week of training camp and people saying, oh, my gosh, this is really, really bad. I thought they actually moved the ball pretty well. I thought Joe Flacco looked very competent out there. Yes, he threw two pick sixes. But beyond those two those two plays, and, and those plays need to be factored in, of course, but beyond that, he made some incredible throws. There was some tight window. They worked on a ton of goal line and red zone issues, and and Joe Flacco really dominated in those moments which that's something the Broncos did not have last year. So that was was very good to see. Defensively, I mean, Vaughn and and Chubb, they they did plenty. I thought Chubb actually looked better than Vaughn, which is kind of crazy to say. But he he was making some plays. I got a little nervous because he started grabbing his back at one point. 
and walked mm. off the field, and I was like, oh, no, please, no. And then he was back on, like, two plays later. So uh, it was nothing to, to worry about. But I will say that the cornerbacks look good. Safeties look good. Linebackers are definitely a concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- there's no getting around that. The the guys that were making the plays were the running backs and the tight ends. The the issue the Broncos had for a long time, and they were still making plays. So there's some of that. Uh, position group-wise, like I said, I, I was most impressed with Mike Munchak and what he's doing with the offensive line. I thought they looked really good. I, I thought they've shown, from what I was hearing early on in camp to what I saw, night and day. Hmm. I thought the first string unit really did well of, of holding their own. I mean, yes, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller still did things. But especially in the middle, they held their own. On the outside, they, they did pretty well. I mean, about as well as you can expect against those guys. And, and especially if you don't have all pro tackles. But uh, beyond that... Wide receivers-wise, Emmanuel Sanders looks amazing. I mean, every quarterback that is playing with him pretty much says, I'm going to throw it to Emmanuel Sanders because he's going to get open for me. I'm a little worried about after him. Uh, I said earlier, I didn't think Cortland Sutton's review of, of where he's at, I thought he looked a little lost out there at times. If I had to guess, that would be what I thought he and Emmanuel Sanders were yelling about. Sanders is getting after him for not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And Sutton taking a little offense to that. Because there was uh, just a series there, especially on offense. They were looking so good, and then they had this series where they had penalties, they had just dropped balls, they had guys just looking like they're in the same zone when they're not supposed to be. It just it looked very, very choppy. And and that was right after that is when the fight happened. So my guess is Cortland Sutton was not doing what he's supposed to be doing. So there's concern with that. There's a little bit of I wasn't as impressed with his route running as I thought I would be. I mean, it's improved from last year, but it's not so improved that it makes me think he's going to really emerge this year. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, like I said, I, I only got to see – one really true practice with him. So read, read into this as, as little as possible, <laughs> I guess I would say. But th- there was some concerns of things that I saw. I thought uh, Hamilton looked pretty good, actually. He, okay. he was quite a target over the middle. The, the Broncos are going to attack the middle of the field a lot this year. They, they love the seam route. There, there was a lot of plays that they were trying to get that working. They were trying to work on the timing with the quarterbacks. And and it was actually working pretty well. And and I will say with your boy Fant, it is incredible watching him live. He is so quick. I mean, th- there's hardly anybody that can keep up with him on the field. Now, if he just gets his hands right, he'll be perfect. Now, the other thing with him, I will say this. He looked confused on the field at times, which made him look slow. Yeah. There were plays where they're like, Fayette, you're not supposed to be there. And so he'd move over to where they'd have, they'd pretty much have to place him where they needed him. Oh, that's not what you want to hear. Right, right. And so there was just some of that confusing going on. There was one drill where he went to the wrong drill. And no, they had no. to go get him. And like all the players were like, Fayette, what are you doing, man? 
just getting after him, and he's shaking his head, just going, ah. And and so it's just kind of one of those, you're seeing that he's still a rookie. He doesn't, it's not comfortable for him yet. So I, I just will say show patience with him because I, I do think you're going to see a huge playmaker. I think you're going to see a great player for the Broncos. It's just going to take some time for sure. Now, I, I guess let, let's let's talk about the quarterbacks because everybody wants to talk about the quarterbacks. Drew Locke got a ton of work yesterday or on Monday, and he got a ton of work today too. This is one thing you and I talked about on here of – how long should the Broncos keep him as the third quarterback? And when does it start becoming a concern? I guess I'm, I'm less concerned about them keeping him as the number three because you're seeing that they're trying to get him as much work as possible. That, that was my main thing was you make sure you get this guy as, much, as many snaps as you can because that's what he needs. And, and so he, I thought he took more snaps than Hogan yesterday. Or, or Monday and and today too, he should be. I mean, it sounds like he's going to get more snaps anyway, like in the right. coming game. So right, and so yeah, they're, they're trying to give him every opportunity to really show something, to really grow, all those kind of things. The the things I liked, I mean, you see the arm talent. It's very clear when you see him throw compared to Hogan or or Ripian. I messaged somebody that's a big Ripian fan. They were telling me to keep an eye on him. And there was a couple throws where, like, guy was open deep. And, and when he threw it, the, the defense was able to catch up to it. Drew Locke, you don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I don't think there's a, a wide receiver that can outrun his throwing ability. So, I mean, the, like I said, the, the arm talent is definitely there. One thing that really stuck out was he doesn't throw until he sees that the receiver's open. Mm, no anticipation. Right. And so he just he doesn't trust what he's seeing pre-snap. And, and so because he has always been able to rely on his arm, he can wait for guys to get open and then hit them. Well, the NFL, that's, those windows close very quickly. you got to throw with anticipation, and, and he just wasn't doing as much as I would like. Hmm. I will say, compared to Hogan, Hogan had some of the same problem. Hogan would hold on to the ball longer than any of the other quarterbacks. He took more sacks than anybody else. So I, I will say at least Locke eventually would get rid of the, the football, or at least quicker than what I saw with Hogan. But, again, it's just a matter of the, those guys. It's just such a, a difference between watching Flacco and throwing with timing and, and with rhythm to get into those guys where they're going through each read, and it's almost like they're going, okay, here's my first read. Oh, where's my – oh, yeah, second read's over here. And, and it is. It's just such a slow processing when, when you're watching those guys compared to Flacco. So I, I will say that. And and Rippian, he does look like a practice squad guy. I hate to say that, but that, that's kind of where I see him heading. Yeah, okay. Well, any uh, last thoughts before we get out of here? No, I mean, like I said, camp, I love the, the speed of camp. I love the way that it was ran. I, I've been to, I went to a Kubiak camp compared to now to a Fangio camp. I will say this, Fangio's camp is long. You better be ready for, for a long day. Uh, for anybody that hasn't gone, that's planning on going, I'll, I'll just say that. I wasn't ready the first day. I didn't bring hardly anything. I just was, was there to watch. I got sunburned like crazy. One, they do have sunscreen there at camp, 
So I, I should have taken advantage of that. But but two, just something soft to sit on because man, that ground was not very comfortable. <laughs> and uh, but I would highly recommend anybody if you can get out to camp, even just for for an hour or two. It is so worth it. It's just so much fun to be that close to players, get to see everything that close up, and and just see what these guys go through on a daily basis. I mean, it, it's three and a half hours of, of of being out there in the sun. I mean, I was melting, man. Oh man, I, I just. I finally remembered that they had water there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to die here. And But it, it was. It was so much fun. I always love going to training camp, and Fangio runs a really fun camp. Well, awesome. That's great. I'm glad you got to go out there and do that, Carl, and glad you got to be back to share some of that knowledge with us. But that's going to wrap up this episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Delmer MHH, and myself, at Kendall MHH. Make sure you head on over to milehighhuddle.com, an affiliate of the Maven Coalition and Sports Illustrated. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a comment, as your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Blooming Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to Huddle Up Podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter, at milehighhuddle, and at btbfootballpod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast, We hope you guys all enjoyed it, and we will see you soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. 